0: Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Really quickly, before we get to this podcast, I want to thank our sponsor, Vortex Optics. They, uh, they sponsor everything that we do here at eHunter. We're grateful for them and, and the relationship that we have with them. I know I say it every single week, um, but they're amazing. I hope you guys are utilizing their stuff. If you guys have any questions, make sure and reach out, ask questions. Let us know how we can help um, with anything as it relates to Vortex. Also, on the podcast for sponsorship this month, we have Grim Reaper Broadheads. Super excited to start using those. Archery start- season is starting soon, so if you're wondering what broadhead you should be using, um, give Grim Reaper a look. I don't think you'll be disappointed. They're uh, they're pretty amazing, and we got some great testimonials up on our social media about them, so check that out. So, on today's podcast, I have Courtney Nally. He is a wildlife photographer, and um, he you, you've probably seen some of his pictures. We've shared a lot of his pictures, and they are pretty amazing. So, if you haven't, check him out on Instagram. Uh, you can even go through our Instagram, and you'll see a lot of his pictures that we've been able to reshare, repost of his. So Courtney's a great guy. He lives in Washington, and he's surrounded by some amazing wildlife. So um, super excited to have him on the podcast, guys! Before we get to that, remember subscribe to the podcast. Please share it around. And if you guys would, if you go on to like Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, uh, leave comments. That kind of stuff really helps us out as far as getting our podcast to the top of the list. So if you guys would to mind doing that for us, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for your support of eHunter. And don't forget to check out the website, eHunter.com. Check us out on social media, including TikTok now. So, all right, guys, without further ado, let's jump into the podcast with Courtney Nally. Hey guys, welcome back to the E Hunter podcast. I've got a special guest on with us today. Um, my guest today is Courtney Nally. He's—you um, guys have probably seen a lot of his pictures on our website. Uh, well, I know you have. If you've been on E Hunter, you've seen uh, pictures of his. If you've been on our social media platforms, we share a lot of his stuff uh, because it's pretty freaking amazing to be completely honest. So, so Courtney, welcome to uh, the E Hunter podcast. How you doing, man?
1: Doing good. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Dude, I'm, I'm excited for this. Um, love love what you do. Love the pictures that you take. I'm I'm a little bit of a, a wildlife picture junkie. I've got like seven or eight people that I'm like dedicated. Like I, I always like, when I go into Instagram, I always look for your guys' stuff because I love those pictures. So um, if, if anybody hasn't checked out Courtney's stuff, check it out, we'll, we'll give his information out at the end of the, of the podcast, but Courtney, before we get into it, if you wouldn't mind, uh, would you mind giving the, the listeners a little introduction, tell everybody who you are and, and what you do and things like that?
1: Yeah, so I'm Courtney, I've done wildlife photography for about, I'd say six, seven years now, realistically got into it hard four years ago, where it took over pretty much everything I do. But, yeah, I'm out of uh, eastern Washington, Moxie, Washington, to be exact. And, yeah, I just kind of do wildlife photography. I'm a licensed realtor here in Washington. So that's kind of what I do as a career. It gives me a little bit of a leeway to go travel and work work remotely and get stuff done at the same time. Can't really show houses on the road, but get the paperwork done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a pretty good area to live in for uh, wildlife photography, isn't it?
1: It's not bad. I mean, we have around here where I live is mainly big bulls, mm-hmm. big bull elk. Uh, you'll see me posting a lot more here lately of trail cam videos of some of the bigger bulls in the area yeah, that, that I've, would... I've turned up. I know there's bigger than that, but <laughs> dude, that
0: one that I, well, I, I maybe you have posted multiples, but you posted one. I think it was yesterday. Dude, that thing was ridiculous.
1: Oh, the big typical? The typical 7x7? Seven seven.
0: Yeah. That's ginormous. Yeah, that
1: thing. showed up once. That's the, only, that's the only video I have of him. Then he left. Wow. I was like, well, that was a good show for what it lasted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I, <laughs> so I, I have take a, it, man. I have
1: one I haven't posted yet. Uh, he'll probably get posted after the season. We'll see. He's big. He's about 405, 410. Good so night. He's, he's a good-looking bull. He's, he's, he's bigger. one of the bigger bulls I've ever gotten, Cam, so. I've been bringing my camera in there, my actual professional camera, to try and get photos of him. And Yeah, he's an escape artist. I don't know what he does and where he goes. So
0: I would imagine he's probably pretty nocturnal. You know, I'm sure he doesn't come out a lot during the day. I, I don't know, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the videos, so I've gotten, I think, five videos of him ever. June 9th, he showed up, and then he just showed up the 19th, full grown. He's hardening up now. So that's how I kind of got the good picture of what he looks like. But he, it's been in the daytime, oh. but he really likes to stay in that dark timber. He, so that cam's actually specifically set in the dark timber because a lot of those bigger bulls, they run 15 to 40 yards in that dark timber following burn lines and just meadow lines. Mm-hmm. They don't like to come out in the meadows very often. I mean, I got him in the meadow, but he was cutting across like a pinch point oh,
0: gotcha. to,
1: another, to another thick uh, piece of uh, dark timber.
0: Dude, they know what they're doing? They know exactly where they need to be, what they need to do. I mean, they wouldn't be that big if they didn't.
1: (laughs) Those big boys—they're smart. They know. (laughs) Yep, they know exactly what they're doing.
0: What other animals do you have up? I've—I've never been. I've never actually even been to Washington State. I know. Oh, really? Yeah. What other animals do you guys have up there?
1: So we have pretty much everything. Mule deer up north, farther from me, about two and a half hours or so. We have the white tail. Uh, Down in the blues, we have. Pretty much everything, mule deer, elk, whitetail mix, uh, a lot of bears in that area also, a lot of bears around this area up in central Washington. Um, cougars, I've got I got a couple cats on trail cam, but never been able to photograph one in the wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, That's... pheasant, quail, if, if you want to take time and photograph those. Yeah. That's more of like you see them on the side of the road with a cool background and you stop the car and jump out and photograph real quick and then keep going.
0: When we try to find pictures for our articles and whatnot, mountain lion is the hardest animal to find pictures of. I mean, they are so elusive. I, I, not many people get pictures of them.
1: No. I mean, you don't see wild photos of them. It's pretty rare. I mean, if they're treed, then that's a little bit different story, right.
0: which I'd love to do that one day. Yeah. But Hey, come on down, <clears throat> man. I've got cousins, the, the tree tree cats all the time. You ought to come down and take some pictures of them.
1: Oh man, I'm gonna have to fly down there one of these days during the winter. Yeah, get some snow
0: photos. Dude, that'd be awesome.
1: They're just they're just hard. They're I mean you just don't see them very often. Usually I'll we'll see a couple a year if I actually do shed hunting or if I run my cams early enough you'll see them out wandering around but just just not much. Yeah, I, I'll not like up. I'd like to. Yeah, see I pick them up <laughs> on trail camera. cameras
0: a lot more than I ever see them in the. In fact, I've only seen just a few out actually out in the wild. I um, definitely couldn't get a picture of them, but, yeah, I get them on my trail cameras. They come in uh, quite a bit. On And, you know, I live in the desert, so there's there's quite a few of them.
1: Yeah. Are they following, like, elk herds, deer herds out there, or what are they following out there?
0: Uh, most of my cameras are set up on water, so they're coming in for water.
1: Oh, gotcha. Yep. In, in
0: the desert, you know, because I'm sure up there where you're at, there's water everywhere. But in the desert, you know, there's only so many places they can come to get a drink. And so you'll set it up on a pond or a, a guzzler or spring somewhere. And, um, you yep you know, then they'll come into that water and get a drink. So you'll usually catch them there.
1: Okay. Yeah. We have, we have quite a bit of water. So they're mainly following the, um, cows and calves around up here nice. is when you'll catch them. They'll be in there in a big herd and then 10, five, 10 minutes later, you'll see them walking through
0: dirty little buggers. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Do you, do you do a lot of traveling to take pictures?
1: I do – I try and travel at least three to four states a year. Wow. Uh, so I like to do – Colorado is my, my main one that I do. That's a that's a gimme. I'm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I plan everything around that one. Dang. Uh That's because it's the mule deer and, and the whitetail rut. Yeah. So that's kind of where I get a lot of my mule deer and whitetail photos. I do get some in multiple – or a couple other states, but not like the caliber you see in Colorado. Right and stuff like that. But Montana is another one that I try and hit bighorn sheep up there. Milder up there, couple elk. I don't really specifically chase the elk up there. And then Utah, if I'm driving through Utah, I'll make sure to hit that area. And then Oregon, Wyoming a little bit, usually Oregon, Wyoming, I'm just driving through and I'll hit areas that I know where some bucks are. Gotcha.
0: Do you ever go like East of Colorado and do like whitetail pictures out that way or, uh, Turkeys or anything like that?
1: I don't. So I do go a little ways east, probably two hours or so out of Denver, two and a half hours. Well, I'll go east, but I don't get way, way out there. So.
0: Gotcha. I, I wonder because, you know, I, I look at it, like I said, I look at a lot of photographers' pictures, and I, you know, there's no way they're getting all those pictures in one state. So I, I wondered if there was a lot of travel involved and and is that like do you plan your vacations around that or is that like your wife knows that hey during uh november i'm going to colorado for the the deer rut
1: yeah so colorado she knows that's a she's like i'm not planning anything up until thanksgiving i'll be home before the day before thanksgiving is usually when i fly back so i can be with the family and stuff for thanksgiving but other than that uh, I usually take about a week, week and a half to, and I'll fly. She'll actually drop me off at the airport and then I'll fly out and rent a car, rent a SUV or a truck, depending on what the weather forecast is. Man. Um, but yeah, I mean, then a lot of the other times, so at least one trip a year, we'll do like a 10 day trip, sometimes 14 and we'll travel. We'll go up like North to like, uh, Canada or we'll go to Wyoming and stuff like that and spend two ten 10 to 14 days or so traveling around together, so then she gets to go on a nice vacation every year with me.
0: That would be kind of fun. I think my wife would love that if, if I put a camera in her hand and said, you know, we're going to go take pictures of, of wildlife. I think she would be down for that.
1: <laughs> she probably would. The only thing is, there's one tip, is you got t- you got to edit some of their photos to make them feel like they did something. I don't <laughs> do that very often. <laughs> I'm like, it's all about my photos. Yours can wait, and then I never get to them. <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> awesome. That's actually, honestly, one of the biggest questions I had have for you tonight or today on this podcast is uh, the editing process. And, and I was actually going to wait until after we already talked about it, but since you brought it up, if you don't mind, let's kind of dig into that a little bit because I, I can't imagine. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that you and we'll talk about your camera and and kind of what you do there. But I mean, the photos that you put like on social media does that take does that require a lot of editing or is that pretty raw
1: so they're actually most of them are pretty raw unless i i've had to cut out like a small fence or something like or like a wood fence or railroad tie Uh if they're crossing through like some property but a lot of them are pretty raw i think i've only posted one where it was actually i had to kind of doctor it The buck actually blended in with the background, so I pulled him. I did some pushing and pulling in the background and on the buck to really get him to pop out from the background. Uh Um, That's a lot more work than I ever want to (laughs) (laughs) for editing. I like to. I like to get my photos done, and if I can edit them in two minutes, three minutes, I'm I'm happy.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so it's not really it's not that bad per picture then, just a couple minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I try every shot that I take. I try and I used to not. I used to just click away and be like, I can edit later. Uh Now it's like, I actually take my time. I set up the composition and the contrast, the background, uh, and really set my uh, subject apart from that background, uh, to make him pop. And then that just creates a lot less editing in the long run.
0: What, uh, what program do you use to edit?
1: I use Photoshop. That's I've tried Lightroom. I'm terrible at it. It's, It's a lot more confusing. I know everybody that says Lightroom, that does lightroom they're like the exact they say the same thing but for show photoshop Mm -hmm. but i learned on photoshop i just watched a bunch of youtube videos till i learned the way i like to edit and then i kind of made my own editing style so that's what you kind of see like when you're on social media you'll see pictures of some of the same bucks but they look completely different and everybody has such a just a different editing style sometimes they're using uh Photoshop, they're using different layers to push and pull like the, the shadows, the backgrounds and stuff like that. Also mm-hmm. uh, removing some brush in front of them. And even just getting standing up or even kneeling down or even laying on your stomach can, can completely change a, a different composition and contrast of the photo from someone standing three, four five feet away from you.
0: Gotcha. Gosh, this is so oh. complex. We're, already, we're only like five minutes into this podcast and you're already, I know, right? complex on me.
1: I... <laughs> what? <Well, laughs> Last year, me and, my, me and my buddy were shooting next to each other. I'm talking, we're standing two feet apart, pretty much shoulder to shoulder, photographing the same buck. And he's like, hey, there's, there's a fence thing in the background. I'm like, well, lay on your stomach. So we're both sitting there laying on our stomach and the fence is out. It just completely changed a different contrast of what it would look like if you had to edit a fence out and be almost eye level. I do like to be eye level with the wildlife, right. if you can be. I mean, birds, it's pretty hard, but
2: – right.
1: Uh, Bucks, bulls, bighorn sheep, you can be eye level, but sometimes just changing, going, dropping down to a knee can completely change the foreground look of that animal and set yourself apart from what other people are taking at eye level and stuff like that.
0: So like when you're then it down... makes it a
1: lot easier for editing.
0: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like when you're laying down on your stomach and stuff, are you using a tripod to take these pictures? I mean, that, that'd that be kind of tough, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I would. I actually take it off the tripod and lay down and just hand hold. Wow. And sometimes you only, you click off roughly four or five, six photos and then you drop it down because when you're shooting a four or 500, 600 millimeter lens, those things are heavy, six, seven, eight pounds. Yeah. So you can only hold them for so long up to your, up your face <laughs> before you're like, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> or, or if you're like me, you don't think and you hold your breath. So you're sitting there trying to almost pass out, taking a picture of a deer <laughs>
0: Well, that's what we do when we're you know laying down looking at a deer we or an animal we hold our breath like we're gonna shoot it so
1: yeah exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's awesome I, I've always wondered how much editing goes into the the pictures uh, and I'm actually looking at some of your pictures right now and um, that's amazing if that's just raw a lot of raw footage because some of these pictures oh my gosh are absolutely amazing so let's talk a little bit about your equipment Um, I think that's okay I I told people that I was going to be doing this podcast with you and everybody's like I I said what questions would you guys ask or what would you be interested in so many people want to know about equipment because I mean there's there's a plethora of of cameras out there there's a plethora of of lenses out there and, and I know that all of them probably would work in different you know combinations um but let's talk a little bit about like what you use, what you recommend, what you suggest. Uh, you know, maybe someone's getting into wildlife photography, what you would suggest. Um, let's just kind of talk through that. So let, let's start with that. Well, actually, you know, let's start with, okay. what, let's start with what equipment you, you use.
1: So I'll start out like with what I, what I first started with just when I really got into photography Okay. And I started with Canon gear. So I I was all and I'm the kind of weirdo that if I have Canon, I want all Canon. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like I don't you like the same stuff
0: up. You want to have all the same camo.
1: Yeah, I get weird like that. So everything's got to be the same. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll
0: start out I, I I use Canon. So back
1: 4 years ago I was using the Canon 7D Mark II, uh-huh. which isn't some high-end crazy fancy camera. It's just your typical DSLR it was a flagship camera 6 years ago. And uh I'm, at that time, I'm just using a 400-millimeter 5.6 prime. It's about a $1,200 $1, lens. There's no image stabilizing, so you either want to make sure you're on a tripod or you're running a really fast shutter speed because you'll, you'll pick up that vibration and your images will come out kind of soft or fuzzy. And then I've slowly kind of upgraded. I got out of Canon a little bit, and now I'm actually at, with Sony. I shoot the Sony a7R 4 the a9 II. And I'm looking at some of the newer stuff that they've come out with, but yeah, it's, that's out of most people's price range for even. Say, some me, I'm of that not stuff is ridiculous. <laughs> oh my goodness! You look at it and you're like, "How do people afford this every year to upgrade?" Yeah, but they do.
2: Yeah,
1: me, I'm like, "Oh, I get used to the camera I'm using." So the A7R four for instance, uh-huh. and I'm like, "I learn it inside and out." So then you're, you, when you're on the move, you could be running. And you're just clicking buttons, already setting stuff up, ready to go. So when you're ready to jump down to a knee or put it on a tripod and shoot a bugling bull or something, you know where you're at and what your like what your settings are. Mm-hmm. So if you do have to change anything and fine tune it, you're not sitting there looking at the screen. That's nice. But yeah, so I use Sony, and it's the lens I use with Sony is just the 200 to 600. I don't remember what I paid for. it. It's about a two thousand dollar lens or so but they have tons of lenses and they're actually really good priced. and people are like, Oh my goodness, $2,000 is expensive. But if you're taking a trip and you don't want to pay that price, you can rent, you can rent a lot of those lenses. And I highly recommend renting every piece of equipment before you actually even go out and buy it.
0: Where in the world do you rent camera equipment at?
1: uh, Lens rental. I rent everything from lens rental online. And they're good. They're, they ship super fast. Usually you get it on, you'll tell them like, I want it there on the 16th of November. You, they'll usually get it to you by the 15th. So then you can set it up, play with it. Wow. And then use it for however long till you have it rented. And that day, then you send it back through UPS or FedEx. I can't remember. I think it's FedEx. And yeah, the, the shipping's free back. and I mean, you kind of pay with it in the price and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that saves you so much money. I'm talking when you rent an A7R four the Sony A seven R four and say a two hundred or six hundred, which I did before I even bought it. Um, it was only like three hundred fifty dollars for eight days, nine
0: days. Wow! So for so, like the, I mean, the that casual takes a ton of money. Yeah, for the casual person that's out there just taking pictures, man, it would almost be worth it just to to rent the stuff and use it for yeah a week or so and then send it back. You know, <laughs> of course, I guess you would never yeah, get exactly. like familiar. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot to do with these cameras and lenses and I'm sure it takes a lot longer than a week to get really familiar with them. But, I mean, that's pretty awesome that you can do that. And it's awesome that you can try them out before you actually spend the money on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is if you can try them out and see if it actually fits your style. Sony is a lot more complicated. Every little button on that thing does probably three or four different things, it seems like. So I try and set it up the basic. So when I rented it, the very first time I ever rented it to test it out, I had YouTube up and put. I think I typed in a seven Sony A seven R four wildlife setup, and then I just did copied someone that was a wildlife pretty known wildlife YouTuber that does a lot of that stuff, and I set my camera up according to what they did, and then throughout the week I just made like small adjustments of what I remember like when I was coming from Canon of what I like and stuff like the eye tracking is awesome on those Sony's. That's one of the biggest reasons I I switched. But I mean, I just, I highly recommend renting because you can see if it's really for you Yeah. and you're only 350 bucks instead of six grand or five grand into a setup that you're like, okay, I'm going to use this like three times a year when you could have rented it for under probably a thousand bucks for the whole year or for your different trips. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's what I'm thinking is like for the people that maybe take two or three trips to go take pictures, you know, yeah, you're less than a thousand bucks to go do those trips don't have to spend the six to ten thousand dollars for the camera. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal.
1: It is. I mean, yeah, lens rental, and I think there's uh, lens, there's uh, lens borrow lenses or something is another one. I've never used them. I know they're pretty well known too. But I use lens rental, and the cool thing is, say you like that camera so much, well, at a at a used price, they will actually sell you that lens and that setup oh. if they're ready to sell it. So, you could end up just keeping it and saying, "Hey, just give them a call saying, "Hey, you know what? I like this setup. Can I buy it right now?"
0: Oh man, yeah, that's I mean, you
1: are getting a used piece of equipment, but you used it, you tested it out, say, for a week. it worked flawless. You absolutely love it. then you could buy it for even a better price than buying something brand new. You might save ten fifteen percent, yeah, but 10 ten fifteen percent for the next trip. that's gas."
0: Exactly, and it's something you've already gotten familiar with. You're already using it. You love it. You, like you said, you've tested it out. You know that it works well. There's no problems with it. I mean, yep. Yeah, that's a pretty sweet. And
1: they're I mean, when they go through and they they'll grade like the cameras or say the lens. You want to buy a lens from them that you use. They'll grade it say an eight plus, and they're pretty conservative. So when you get an eight plus, that's that's like uh, good condition. Uh-huh. It's actually like great condition. There might be one little tiny nick of the paint on the lens and that's it so it's like holy smokes that's and you just got it for a cheaper price yeah. so they're pretty well taken care of they go through them really good but they sell through lens rental sells uh through lens authority so if you go to lens authority that's their page where they sell everything gotcha and i've bought tripods from them Gitzos and Enduro. uh i think it's an enduro tripod i think that's what my one of my tripods are and i bought that for i think 50% off and it was mint condition wow
0: so <laughs> I don't even know about this website. So I'm I'm like geeking out right now. I'm, <laughs> yeah, you're I'm, gonna have to I'm, like put
1: a link on there.
0: Yeah, I, in fact, that's a good idea. Courtney. I'm gonna put that. I'll put a link in the show notes to this website. I'm actually looking at it right now, and I'm geeking out on it because I'm gonna get me a camera coming. <laughs> <laughs> you're what, like, I'm gonna rent this. Yeah. So like, if someone's wanting to get into it now, like you said, you, you talked about what you you bought and how what you got into it. Like, if someone wanted to get into to wildlife photography for you, photography, wow, if I can say it, photography right now. <laughs> um, like, what would you recommend that someone someone use?
1: So I get that question a ton on social media, mainly Instagram, uh-huh. of what, what do I use or what do I recommend? And I recommend, I just kind of say, like, hey, what have you kind of used in the past? Because maybe it, all they really want is a point-and-shoot camera. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe they need something a little bit bigger that – a little bit more reach and stuff like that. So I kind of, I'll recommend certain like brands. Like, so if if they like Sony, I'll go to like the Sony a6400. That's an incredible starter camera. Nothing too crazy fancy on it. It's light, it's small, it's compact. And you still got a lot of the features that all the newer cameras have. It doesn't have like the crazy megapixels and stuff like that. But realistically, it's not needed if you're getting started out. You want something that you're not going to be, like, over complicated and be like, oh, okay, this isn't fun. This is way too much work. You're going to want something a little bit more basic. And that's why Canon and Nikon are a lot more basic cameras. There's not a bunch of stuff into them. So you got the uh, Canon A7 – or not the A7. He said Sony. The Canon 7D Mark II uh, and stuff like that. I'm trying to think of the other – T7, the T7i, I think, is what it is. That's yeah. another great camera to start with. I mean, those and those are, like, like – Starting at the bottom, those are six, seven, eight hundred dollars cameras, but they do a lot. They do a lot more than they probably should for that price. Yeah. So you're getting actually a pretty good bang for your buck.
0: And they, their DSLR do picture, video, and all that stuff too, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I think the the A7s they have like the flip screens. I think on those. I mean, they're they're pretty. They're nice. They're nice setups, and though that's another one I highly recommend. It's got twenty four megapixels. I mean, you wow. just can't go wrong with a lot of the DSLRs. So, if your budget's five, six hundred dollars, look at a look at a cheaper DSLR, or even look at used, and go on an eBay and look for people that have ninety nine point seven or one hundred percent reviews,
2: uh-huh.
1: and buy something used. You're going to buy those things for fifty percent off. I mean, I'm seeing them for sale for four hundred bucks, three hundred fifty bucks, and that comes with a small l- couple lenses, kit lenses, but.
0: That's probably the way to they go for someone that's just trying to get into this. Find something used, either on eBay or even um, you know the lens sites and the use or the yeah renting sites and you know that that probably be the way to go. I mean, it's it's nice getting something new. Don't get me wrong. And if that's what somebody wants to get, if that's your bag. Yeah, go for that. But man, if you can get something yep. used and that works perfectly, you can probably get something pretty amazing at a at a decent price. I I would imagine most people's price range wanting to get into it is probably that thousand dollar range if you're really trying to get into this and so those are sounds like those are pretty good options if you're in that price range
1: yeah and that's what a lot of people are like I have about a thousand bucks eight hundred to a thousand dollars is about the price point of what most people are when they're trying to get started into it
0: and really I think it's the lens that's actually the the pricey pieces right and I guess the only reason I know that is because Monty talked you know Monty he's uh, with us in eHunter He's always taking pictures. I mean he's a a pretty big photographer himself and that's what he always says, you know, the camera's one thing and you can get a camera for a thousand bucks, he says, But it's in then you gotta add the lens on top of it and he says well if I remember right I think he said you can't find a really good lens for under a thousand. Is is that true?
1: yeah i mean it did yeah yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> there's no argument. i love how you're
0: gonna try and, uh, I mean, to brush that off but you're like no no yeah that's that's true <laughs> I, I don't
1: want to scare people away
0: yeah but
1: there's four or five hundred dollar lenses out there that are going to do great it's but you just get a little bit better better uh i think filament in your lens and stuff like that it's a little bit sharper they're crisper and everything in a in a little bit higher quality of a lens like one of my lenses that i used for years up until just a couple years ago, was a twelve hundred dollar lens, the four hundred millimeter five point six, and you could buy those for seven hundred fifty bucks online now. Oh wow! That's a four hundred prime. That's got some reach to it, and that's so I have like the great gray owls and
2: yeah. stuff
1: like that on my uh, on my page. Yeah. Those are all with a four hundred prime, a twelve hundred dollar lens, and the seven D Mark II, which was I bought it. I think it was like I don't remember twelve hundred dollars for the for the body, maybe a little bit more, but wow.
0: Um, yeah, those pictures are now amazing.
1: Now the stuff I'm using now is a little bit more expensive, but I mean, I've used the 500s and 600s, which I don't recommend those. Those are those are getting up there in price. Yeah. unless <laughs> you have you, money to blow.
0: Yeah, so you either you got money <laughs> to blow or you've gotten into this and found that this is something that you absolutely love and want to want to get into. What's the what's yeah. the reach on those? You, you talk about reach, and you know, looking at your pictures on your page, I mean, it looks like you're you can reach out and touch these animals with with a stick. I mean, I, I'm guessing that they're a lot further away than that. Like, how far can you get with these lenses?
1: So, for w- when I'm running my 400, uh, I tell everybody I'm usually within bow range. Oh, okay. Uh, sometimes I'm 25 yards. Sometimes I'm 45 yards. Bull elk, I'm about 50, 45 to 60. Right around that range. Um, if you go portrait format, you're, you're, you know you're usually pretty close because you can't fit the whole like, the legs and everything. So you go portrait. So you're within 40. But, yeah, I tell everybody I'm usually within bow range, a lot of these animals. Sometimes, so now that I have the Sony, that 200 to 600, I could be a lot closer if something happens to walk by me or walk up to me, which I've had that uh-huh. on mainly mule deer or some uh, depending elk and stuff like that. They kind of look at you and figure out what you are. But yeah, they'll get pretty close. Wow. 20, 20. I don't usually like to get 25 yards or closer. I mean, if they walk up to me, then that's, that's different. I usually try and stay about 25 yards, sometimes 30
0: yards away. With those cameras, can you reach out there a hundred yards and still get a good crisp picture?
1: Yeah. So like on the Sony a7R four I think it's, uh, I'm running, I think it's 60 megapixels. Uh. So I can crop those in actually pretty tight and keep a lot of pixels. Uh, With my, with my Canon setup, I really couldn't, I'd have to be 55, 65 yards max, especially on mule deer to keep decent quality. But there's, there's some editing softwares out there now that are just incredible. It's called like one of them is called Topaz. Uh That'll actually help sharpen up or denoise a photo. And I've used that to kind of help crisp up an image. Sometimes it doesn't do great. And sometimes you're like, holy smokes, this is usable. I can actually use this,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but that's
1: another editing software that you could run it through and filter out some of the stuff.
0: So when you're taking these pictures, you're almost like hunting then. Like you're sneaking in on these animals. You're getting pretty dang close to them because it looks like they don't even know that you're there on on most of these pictures.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I treat it pretty much like hunting. That's why a lot of my buddies, they make fun of me. They're like, oh, you gave up hunting. I'm like, yeah, but I get to shoot multiple bucks a year. So
0: (laughs) I'm stalking. And go back I the mean, next year and shoot them again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they're usually bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you do it for years and years. But, um, yeah, so I treat it like a hunt. I mean, sometimes you're in areas where the, the deer are pretty, pretty calm and relaxed. But there's another area you have to really actually wait till the rut to get close to these bucks. They're they're just so spooky. Yeah. Um, but you just start sitting on them, letting them. What I do is I let them work. Let them work me, get used to me, run the does around. And once they start warming up and know that you're not a threat uh-huh. and you're not making any like sudden movements, you, you can, they'll get pretty close. They, I mean, a lot of them, some of them won't get, like I photographed a, that big, big typical last year. Yeah. And I think I only had him once. That was, well, you're like, Oh, okay, this is getting pretty close. The other times he's 350 yards out there. So you're just watching him rut 350 yards out and just hoping that he makes a mistake or the does do and run him towards you. Wow. Cause I mean, you're out in flat land. You're you're not going to get close to them without spooking them. So you just kind of set up on, and watch them. I've been I watch some of the bucks for three, four, five days before they actually make the wrong move and walk by you, and the does do, or they warm up to you and just like okay, you're not a threat. So
0: like bighorns, like I've never gotten that close to bighorns. Like you had like some of these pictures. If you're 50 yards on some of these pictures of bighorns, man, you got to be pretty sneaky. Yes,
1: yeah, so, some of the bighorns. If you look, they, you really have to let those warm up to you. They get, they get kind of, they're big. Yeah. <laughs> they're a lot bigger than they look like. And sometimes in person you're like, holy smokes, that's a big animal. Yeah. But I was photographing bighorn sheep. I think it was four years ago, three years ago up in, uh, northern Montana. And they're pretty relaxed up there. They're not hunted really and stuff. So mm-hmm. we were photographing them. And you can, if you just sit, they'll kind of rut around you and hang around and feed. And then they'll go and rut, headbutt. And you just let them do what they're going to do. You just kind of let them work you. But I was sitting below seven or eight of them. Just, I was just peeking up and over the rocks, getting a, mainly getting a good angle. Yeah. And I didn't see that there was a giant laying on his horns in the background. And finally, my wife was like, hey, there's a big buck over here. Like She glassed up and it was kind of walking up the ridge towards us. And I was like, okay, let's go set up on it. And it was a one seventy five typical or so. Uh-huh. So we set up on it and got some quick photos and then he boogied out. Once he actually seen us about thirty five yards, forty yards away, he boogied out. And then we came up and over on top of these the rams. Oh my goodness. When that ram picked his head up and looked at us, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, You were that big sitting there the whole time. <laughs> wow. And then I'm just filling up cars, just click, 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 click.
0: Oh yeah. Back to back. I'm like,
1: I told myself I wasn't gonna do this.
0: Dude, I I'd turn into like a tourist, man. I'd be yeah, as fast as my finger could go, and hopefully it's probably even set up for bursts. Do so like three bursts, and I'd be taking pictures like nobody's business.
1: Oh man, I, I do the same thing. <laughs> I tell myself every year, I'm not gonna, not gonna take hundred pictures of the same exact position. Yeah, until you see a giant ram or yeah, a, or muley. Yeah. And you're like, sorry, but I'm getting every inch that you turn
0: as I was gonna say every? You know I'm that way. Even with my phone, like we were hunting in Colorado last year, and I was watching some uh, this big uh, bull moose, biggest bull, biggest moose I've seen in Colorado, and and actually even like pictures and whatnot. He was huge. Um, I wish I had yep. your camera at the time. And dude, I took so many pictures of that thing. He's standing the exact same in probably 15 pictures, but I, I didn't even care. Like I'm just sitting there taking pictures as fast as I could with my cell, my stupid cell phone through my um. phone scope. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't care.
1: I'll yeah. fill this phone up if I have to.
0: Exactly. I just wanted to – because he was honestly the biggest moose I've ever seen in my life. And so I was like, I'm never gonna see this again. I want every, like you said, I want every inch. Every time he turns, I want to see what he's got and. Oh, it was, right? It's, it's You're amazing.
1: like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to score this thing by the time I'm done.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd go through uh, memory cards uh, pretty quickly. I bet you do too. I'll bet you fill up some, some SD cards pretty quickly.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I do. I have a problem. Is that what your wife I buys you do? I can't keep my Christmas? finger off the shutter. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I bring an external hard drive, oh. and I have to clear my card every day. So when I was in Colorado, I I drove back into Denver and stayed at my buddy's house. And there was two things I left in the car: my headphones and my SD card case. And I must have forgot to close the door or lock the door that night, and they got I got broke into. Oh no! So thank goodness I had my external hard drive. So I had to clear my card every. I think I think at lunch every day I had to clear a 128 gigabyte card. Because you're just shooting away. I mean, especially when the weather comes. (laughs) Oh, it's terrible! I got a terrible problem
0: yeah you do we might have to send you to aa my goodness
1: i know (laughs) but then you
0: stand next to guys like
1: i don't you've probably heard of bill allard oh yeah and oh man you should hear his camera you're like man you're gonna burn that is that thing on fire (laughs) i thought i saw it a lot
0: do you like when you go take these pictures are there a lot of photography do you see a lot of these big photographers when you go and and do this or do you guys kind of congregate on certain areas
1: so sometimes we do, and we we'll, or we'll plan to meet up. Like, hey, we got word of a of a good buck. Let's let's check it out, and we'll meet up. But a lot of times we'll miss each other by two, three, four days, uh-huh. and stuff. Like, so I'll see Bill maybe once every two, three years. Uh-huh. Uh, Jason, which is Untamed Images, I see same thing about every two every other year, and stuff like that. So we don't see each other a whole lot, but a lot of times, so, not a lot of times, sometimes we're in the same general area big bucks move through an area and stuff like that they always kind of rut in the same same ridges and same area so you kind of go and check them out and i've gone in there and i've gotten one photo like i think this was two years ago people were photographing a big buck and i think i got one photo of them i've seen them one time and it was like 150 yards out it didn't even and i just did it for documentation to say hey i've seen it at least Uh wow (laughs) so sometimes i don't see the bucks that some of these other guys see and some we're, some sometimes sure. we'll go there at different times of year sometimes we'll make a certain trip, like a special trip, just to photograph like the big bulls in Colorado and stuff. Sometimes we'll make a trip down there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I um we were up in Rocky Mountain National Park last year was it last year or two years ago during the rut and that there's that famous bull that's up there, I think they call him Bruno or Bruno, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, we're, so I'm, you know, we're, we're parked on the side of the road. And we're lined up there with car after car, and I look down there, and there's just all these wildlife photographers with their big cameras and big lenses. Heck, you could have even been there. I don't even know, but yeah, I know Lauren <laughs> with a uh, good bull. Uh, he was he yep. was there that day. But um, I mean, there were so many. I was like, I wonder if these guys like communicate with each other and say, Hey, here's this big bull. You need to come check this out, or. Or maybe like, hey, I saw this guy this year. He might be there next year. We ought to go check him out kind of a thing. So I wondered if you guys had some communication there.
1: Yeah, sometimes we'll keep in contact. Bruno, he's pretty well known. So everybody, I haven't photographed him in four years. Oh, wow. Uh, he had his broken two. So I haven't photographed elk actually in I think three and a half, three years. I went to Alberta, Canada and photographed the elk rut, And oh my goodness, that's a blast. That's oh, a must do for everybody.
0: That there's, a, there's some big bulls there. Oh man. You have a lot of those pictures up on your page?
1: I do. A lot of those ones that are like some of the recent ones I posted are like with the breath and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, the not the the more non typical bulls are usually from Canada that I photographed.
2: Okay. And it's
1: only a twelve hour drive, eleven and out eleven and a half hour drive for me to start Jeez. getting into those big bulls. But those bulls they're they're a little bit more aggressive up there. I don't know what they do to them up there in Canada, but man, they're, there's some mean bulls up there. Yeah, that one. You really they... got to watch. You got to watch their ears and their posture. If they start swaying a little bit, time to back up. <laughs> You're a little close.
0: That one where that guy's uh, bugling. You can see the breath coming out of him. I mean, that's such a sweet shot. Gosh, I love it.
1: Yeah, that was a cool bull. That one I think that was the most the bull I photographed the most. There was another one that had two flyers double flyers and stuff and he I photographed him for a day I didn't see him every day but the one with the one single flyer I think that's the one that you're talking about with the brass. yeah
0: yeah I photographed
1: him I think every every day at least
0: yeah you've got you got quite a few pictures up of him he's, I mean he's so cool because he's like he's really dark antlered and then he's got the you know the really white tips and so I mean just a really cool yeah. looking bull man. Um, So that's a trip everybody should do. Yeah, yeah, that really is. I I think there's a few trips, everybody. In fact, I think I need to go with you on these trips and make sure I have a tag in my pocket. That way you can shoot them with the camera. (laughs) And then I I, I always say, I I need to follow a wildlife photographer around because you guys seem to find the biggest animals anybody can find. I don't know how you guys do it.
1: (laughs) We find some pretty good ones.
0: Yeah. I I think that
1: dropper is one of the bigger ones I've ever photographed. And then Double D from uh, Utah Salt Lake was one of the other bigger ones that I photographed. Yeah, he was a big buck. Do
0: you go to uh, Antelope Island frequently?
1: I haven't been there. I went there two years ago. I photographed that buck that they call Limpy.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: I photographed him two years ago over there. I I was actually driving back from a hunt in Colorado, and I was like, told my buddy i was like hey we got to hit antelope island for two hours give me two hours i want to try and find this one single buck and it was limpy that one that has trash on each side all over the place so it was probably an hour into driving around glassing and glassing and glassing and all of a sudden i'm like there he is he's about a thousand yards out so i me and my buddy we took off running across the sagebrush and stuff like that and we ended up catching him uh walking sorry walking right at us about I think he was about 60 yards facing right at me and all of a sudden after that fog set in and I never seen him again wow. so I got the got one shot of him that that was actually a pretty decent shot and never seen him again and went home drove the 12 hours home
0: <laughs> hey it was worth it though for the one shot though I mean
1: oh it was He's a beast I was so excited
0: yeah you had the one um Sir, I'm getting so distracted. I'm looking at your pictures right now. You had one that was <laughs> had just had trash coming off both sides, had one big drop tie on his right side. Uh guard had like three different spikes coming off of it. Do you know which one I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, that was Colorado, um, not this last season but the season
0: before. Okay.
1: And I don't know what happened to him. I I tried finding him this year. I know a couple other guys tried looking for him and
0: no one ever seen him.
1: So I have no idea what happened to him.
0: What if he? Uh, what if he didn't make it through winter or something?
1: I talked to a guy and he said he did, but I don't. When they're in March, it's hard. They don't have antlers, so it's hard to tell what buck is what. Yeah. I don't think he actually made it through the winter, like you were saying. I don't think he
0: did. Yeah, I bet so. He's actually the one that I so I always like steal a picture for my when I do a podcast. I post a, a thing on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. About the podcast, that's actually the one that I stole for years of my podcast that we're recording right now that I want to post up on because he's just ridiculous. He's a, oh yeah, he's a monster.
1: Yeah, he's probably the biggest buck I've ever photographed.
0: Man, he's huge. Hey, um, you know, you kind of shared. I love the the tip of carrying a uh, a external hard drive with you. Do you have any other like tips, tricks that you use uh, that other people may want to to borrow from you?
1: Um. Yeah. Like always carry an external hard drive keep the cards clear mm-hmm. the worst thing is is being a mile or mile and a half from your truck and film that card yeah. <laughs> the other thing is keep a battery in your pocket a warm battery um because that's the other thing is i was photographing a big bull over in montana and i jumped out ran up to the ridge because i seen that this bull was making a beeline across the ridge line and was hitting like a pinch point in the tree so i was like once he hit the timber i wasn't going to get photos of him and my, cam- my camera was dead. I got one photo, and it died. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm about four or 500 yards from the truck. So I had to run all the way back, and I'm yelling at my wife. I'm like, I need a battery. Throw me it. <laughs> she didn't know what I was saying. So I ended up having to go back to the truck and get a battery. I, I didn't get the shots that I wanted. So uh, carry a- an extra battery in your pocket. Keep it warm because in those cold days, especially November, mm-hmm. December, when you're photographing, your battery's going to die a lot quicker than it would if it was hot summer, uh, August, September. Uh, so that's another tip that I highly recommend. Um, then the other thing is rain gear. Oh, my goodness. I've been, oh. I don't know how many times the weather didn't forecast rain, and I sat there and got drenched. And then I'm trying to keep my camera gear dry. Right. So I end up taking off a jacket and throwing it over my sweater and throwing it over my camera
0: gear. for that story. You need a rain jacket <laughs> for your camera and for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they make those neoprenes. I can't even remember uh what who makes them, but they make neoprenes that we put on the our lenses and our camera gear, so if it does get rainy, you uh-huh. can throw those on they're they're waterproof. Nice. Uh, lens coat is what that makes those yeah
0: that's what i was gonna say i think lens coat makes uh, a thing that like covers everything for you
1: yep and those are highly recommended they're worth i think they're 90 hundred bucks and they're worth every penny because oh, that's the last thing you want is your camera gear getting rained on then it fogs up molds so
0: oh really it'll mold
1: yeah if you get moisture in them and then you stick them in a vehicle and let don't ever like actually take care of them they could mold inside if they got moisture inside not the other thing is really if so i mean i hate telling people put your camera gear in your car overnight but if you're in super cold weather uh and you're going to go photograph in the morning try and keep that camera gear as close as you can to the coldest the coldest weather you can because if you if not you get from a hot vehicle so i keep it in the trunk Uh usually uh if you're in a hot vehicle and you jump out to shoot with your camera it's going to fog up (laughs) there goes your shot opportunity.
2: Good point.
1: That's another thing is you just got to be careful. And then, so if you're shooting, say, so a lot of the times, another thing is another tip is a lot of these wildlife, they'll run once you get out. So shoot from shooting from a car, like your window or something like that. But that comes with, if it's cold outside, turn the cold air on in your car. The last thing you want is the heat to be on. And you're picking up heat rays as they go out the window in front of your lens. So stick your lens out as far as you can from the car, is
0: the there,
1: window, or what's that? I
0: was going to say, is there a good way to, to stabilize that as you're, I mean, do you rest it on the mirror if you can, or do you just, or do you just freehand it and just hold it?
1: Yeah, or, or I'll pick up the, wind, the windshield a little bit towards level, and then I just rest it on the windshield. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I recommend turning on the cold air for at least a little bit just to get the, the heat rays out of the car. If not, you'll just pick up heat rays, and you'll be like, what the heck? All these images are soft. Well, you just picked up heat rays from your car. Or if you can step out a little bit, open your car door and step and, like, kneel down. Heat rays go up, so they'll go up and over your back. And if you're kneeled down, you're closer to the ground, and you won't pick up those heat rays.
0: Oh, man. Dude, keep going. This is great. Keep going with these tips. This is, <laughs> no, this is stuff <laughs> so I don't you just, ever like, think, think about.
1: If, if people are driving – because, I mean, when you go to, like, national parks, you're always – like, oh, don't get out of your vehicle. Don't get out of your vehicle. There's a grizzly on the side or, I mean, there's just a pileup of vehicles. So if you can't get out of your vehicle, just try and do those tips. Even if you can step out of your vehicle two feet, kneel down just to get rid of those heat rays or anything that would obstruct from the car to the actual wildlife. And yeah, I just highly recommend keeping it in the colder elements. If it's going to be cold outside, keep your camera in colder elements because then you're not getting that fog because I've had it where it took five, five to ten minutes where the fog kind of finally cleared up off my lens. So wow. I couldn't shoot. I could sit there and wipe my lens and it fog up immediately because my lens was so hot and it was so cold outside.
0: Well, and most of the hunters listening to this podcast are going to understand this because your your binoculars do the same thing or your spotting scope. I mean, I've done that, you know, grabbed my spotting scope, jumped out in Colorado, and it's negative ten degrees, and I can't see anything. It just fogs up, and you just sit yep. there. <laughs>
1: I have done the same thing, especially binos because you always want them on your chest. Yep. at the ready. Well, yep. so guess what? The heat's going right at your chest. So you get <laughs> up, you put them out the window, and they fog up. And you're like, well, that was a clear picture. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. That, those, dude, those are amazing tips and tricks. And I, I think there's a lot of that stuff I'm sure that you just kind of learn as you go and, and kind of over time. But, man, those are, like, priceless because – I don't think of those kind of things. I'm sure most people don't think of those kind of things.
1: No, a lot. I mean, I still I still catch myself doing it to this day, especially with my binos because I want them at the ready at all times. Yeah. Now I keep them in the back seat, so I'll have to reach and grab them, but at least they're away from the heater. They will tend to fog up, but not near as long as they would. You're looking at several seconds compared to maybe a minute or two with your binos. Yeah, so.
0: When you take pictures with your camera, do you look through the eye hole or do you use the, the screen? I know there's a better word for uh, it than eye hole. I just can't think of what it is. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I can't even think of what it's called either. <laughs> um, I always look through it. It's just um, – it's more realistic for me. I like – that's why I like it. I mean I could hold it down and look at the screen, but it's not the same as looking through it and being like right there. You're like, oh my goodness, this is right here, right in front of me. Yeah. Compared to looking at the ground, at a screen, and the wildlife, you're not even looking at the wildlife. You're looking at your screen. Mm-hmm. I like to be looking at right at them, that eye level or down on my knee.
0: It's so funny that you say that because, like, a lot of times when I'm when I'm scouting and glassing, you know, I, I'll put a phone scope up on it and just have the the screen on there. But I feel the same way when I see an animal. I, I don't want to look at it through the my phone screen. I want to look at it through my binos. It, it makes it. Yeah, like you say, it's more real. I guess that the animal really is there rather than on a screen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just the point of the point of view and the perception. I think for us, I mean, everybody wants to be like, "Oh, I got to get footage of it," which it's awesome. I do the same thing. I'm like, I got to get footage through the phone scope, and then I'm like, Oh, back, okay, got what I wanted, back through the eye hole.
0: Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Then you... I can
1: actually watch every movement.
0: Do you do a lot of video or? Most of the stuff I see out that you post is, is pictures. I know you post your trail cam pic, uh, videos, but do you do a lot of video through your camera?
1: No, I don't. I haven't mastered it.
0: Oh, gotcha.
1: <laughs> Actually, I am terrible. My girlfriend, <laughs> or not my girlfriend, my wife, she will. I'll, I'll hand her, like, the camera and say, hey, video if you want, and she'll, like, do video and stuff. But uh, I'm just terrible at it. I'll start, I'll be like, well, great, I just got that on video, but I can't. I can't do anything with it. <laughs> I'm well, like those, that would have been an awesome still
0: they take amazing video don't they those DSLRs do a pretty good job videoing don't they
1: yeah they they do I'm not very good at it I'm shaky and like on the Sony it zooms in like 10 times so you get that sharpness
2: uh-huh. and
1: I'm like okay I'm looking inside this deer's ear <laughs> now how do I unzoom this thing so I can actually see what I'm recording <laughs> <laughs> which once you start push record then it records but I'm just terrible at it. I always tell myself I'm going to record. I'm going to make like a three-minute promo, like cool, just a cool, fun video for people to check out. And I I just never do it. Dude, you
0: can make (laughs) videos and put them on YouTube. I'd watch that crap all day long, man. So (laughs) I'm in the corner of you videoing because I would love it.
1: I'm going to try. Once I go to Colorado this year, I'm going to try and record a bit, see if it actually happens or not. I think I get maybe three minutes total of video ever on each trip. I videoed <laughs> that grizzly on that elk kill last year.
0: Oh. The, and that was what was that? the only video I did. Grizzly 719 or whatever his name was.
1: Yeah. What was that? 791.
0: 791. Is that what it was? Yeah. That... Yeah.
1: That big male on that elk kill.
0: Dude, that was So I videoed amazing. just
1: sitting there. That was pretty cool. I didn't get to actually see the kill. Nothing like that. But we got to see him. And that's all he did when I was there. He slept all day. He would lay on it, chase the crows away, and that was it.
0: He never ate on it or anything so, while you were there?
1: No, he just like put more dirt over it.
0: Interesting. Just kept kept covering it up. Such a weird weird animal. My gosh.
1: I know. I'm like, <laughs> man, this thing is. He probably ate so much overnight. He's so lazy.
0: <laughs> you, that's true. He is. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm looking at a picture that you, you posted of of him right now that's man such a cool picture yeah he's got a lot of dirt covering that elk my gosh
1: yeah he does i think he was mainly saving he ate so much and he was probably saving up because he knew he was gonna be fighting off and fending off the wolves and other grizzlies that actually ended up coming in the day after i left they came in and hung around a few different times so people got some pretty cool photos of the the wolf pack in there can't remember exactly what wolf pack it is
0: oh yeah that's right i remember seeing pictures of that that wolf pack came in on that and he had to. He was fighting them off all the time.
1: Yeah. So I think he was conserving some energy for that, not just being lazy, but he knew he was going to be fending off some uh, other predators.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Hey, well, the last question I have for you uh, is something that was kind of brought up as I talked to people: is like, what do you do with these pictures? Do you take them and and put them on canvases and sell them? Do you like what? I guess what's your purpose, or even other photographer's purposes and taking these pictures what do you guys do with them
1: so yeah i actually i'll put them on canvas sell them metal acrylic and stuff like that and that's that's a lot more local i have sold a couple across the state the pacific northwest and a few back east but a lot of them are local people um i'll do a couple like a donation or two a year to foundations and stuff for auction Mm -hmm. and then uh, magazines is another one getting picked up for magazines. I don't, I don't really like sought it, like go after looking for them. They'll, some of them will reach out, but there's a few that I've reached out and get some of my photos in, but yeah. So getting published in magazines is a couple times a year, four or five times a year, maybe, maybe more than that. It just depends. But yeah, and it makes it just enough to pay for a few of my trips. Yeah. It's <laughs> a life if... like that.
0: If somebody wanted to reach out to you and say, "Hey, I'd like to to purchase some of your stuff," I mean, say say someone in Colorado. I, I'm using this because I might have a, a similar situation. You know, they know one of the animals that you take pictures of, and said, "Hey, would you do a canvas for it? would Would you be cool with that? Would you be up to doing that?" Oh yeah. Okay. Most definitely. Awesome. Because I think. Yep.
1: I try and get every. I try and get people taken care of as best I can.
0: Nice. Well, I have I, in my office. I this is totally on a personal level. No one, everyone listening doesn't doesn't even care about this. But like in my office, I have canvases of different, um, you know, wildlife. But it's not really personal to me. But if it was something of yours, I think that would be really cool, and I'm sure everybody else would be that same way. And so, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm personally gonna have to have you hook me up with some some pictures uh, for my office walls. But I I think it'd be cool for I know there's gonna be a lot of people listening to this that you know or are, are interested in having stuff of yours on their wall as well so i if you're okay with it i think it'd be cool if people could reach out and get that stuff from me oh yeah
1: and i appreciate it yeah i rec- i just tell everybody if you can get a hold of me on instagram send me a direct message uh personal message and i get back to you as fa- fast as i can i try and i probably spend too much time on that thing but <laughs> I, yeah i try and get back to you within a few hours if i'm out like hunting or even photographing it'll take me a day or two but i reach back out to everybody and Try and get them taken care of if, if I can, if they're if it's the right uh, print and stuff like that, the right size for them.
0: Nice. I'll give you that. You are very responsive on social media, so I, I was impressed. Anytime I message you, you're like, boom, right on it. So thank you for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. Don't tell my wife that. She'd probably like, see, you spend way too much time on this thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I just need you to get a TikTok page with all the videos that you're going to start doing because then I, my whole day would be shot right there oh
1: man I'm thinking about making one for like the trail cam videos and stuff and you
0: should I have man.
1: thousands of videos and I'm like how do I go through all these things so i maybe make like a 2, 3, 10, 20 second 30 second videos uh-huh. and start posting them up you should so oh, some of the gosh. bigger bowls
0: I would love that. I mean I love your pictures don't get me wrong Courtney I, I absolutely absolutely love your pictures but man if you could had some videos on there too i just like i said you would you would kill my entire day
1: <laughs> <laughs> see then your wife would probably start hating me
0: that's true you might get a phone call you know she might say hey you need to knock this off cuz you're you're taking all my husband's time <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> she will be like oh that's just coming out of your hunting time that's right exactly hours. <laughs> you're not going to go chill, chill no i will I, today. I need get better <laughs> what's that
0: oh sorry what did you say
1: I I need to get better at taking video and start posting some videos up. I posted one, a video that did pretty good. It was, it was kind of funny. Everybody's like, Oh my God, we were probably harassing the elk. And I see people posting like, or like commenting on it. And, uh, if they only knew the true story, (laughs) that bull came from like four or 500 yards away. And the, cause the cow, the herd of cows came like feeding towards us. And we were in a, in like a, what are those old western fences? Those wooden ones
2: uh-huh. that
1: are like a triangle. We were actually sitting in that photographing other elk and bulls, and then that giant bull come right at us. And then he actually he actually ended up charging the fence. He was still five ten feet probably five feet away with the fence in between us.
0: Oh my gosh! Did he actually... I, I
1: took off running. I Nobody saw...
0: knows or, what's that. I was gonna say I saw that video. Did he actually hit the fence when he charged that fence?
1: I don't know. I was no. Not a lot of people know, but my wife's the one that videoed that because I was running. I knew what that when that bull was swaying, I knew what that meant. And I was like, it's not gonna take him much to go through that, so I was running. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not dumb. I'll, I'll run and distance myself. She stayed. Her and uh, another guy, his name was Dallas. We met out there, and he stayed there and stood until you. That was him. He turned around and ran. That was him running. And I'm wow. like, nope. See ya. I was 40 yards away looking looking back. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm good.
0: I remember <laughs> that video when you posted that up and I was like, holy crap, like he was coming at you on that. So <laughs> I'm glad.
1: Yeah, I was like, mm, this is, I see what he's doing. He's starting to sway. Yeah, I'm, see ya. I got the pictures I needed. <laughs> but yeah, some some of those bulls in Canada, that was a Canada that was a Canada bull. Man, those things are mean. Um they don't like people around. But we were, like I said, we were 400 yards away, and the other herd, we were 65 yards away, well within range of being fine and not really having elk run around or chasing people and harassing them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We were just keeping our distance, sitting there, and this bull, this mean bull comes out of nowhere. And starts acting like that, so <laughs> it was it, it was kinda it was kinda comical reading some of the responses on it. And <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, gosh, if people only knew that we were actually just kinda and we weren't the only ones, there was probably fifteen other people that were just taking pictures with their cell phone that did the same thing. They were just sitting there. Wow. But that bull was pretty well known for being aggressive. Uh the his harem would cross the road and stuff and uh he would go through and actually hit vehicles. That's how aggressive he was, so
0: yeah, Jeez. he wasn't. Well, they put in the water up there it. in Canada. I know. I was like, I
1: was like, I thought we were gonna go up there and just have a blast of a time. The bowls are gonna be relaxed, <laughs> like the Colorado bowls. Uh
0: huh. Yep. And
1: it was the exact opposite. I was like, nope. These things are a little bit more mean.
0: Man, that's awesome. That yeah, I remember that video that when you posted that. I was like, oh geez, I'd I'd crap my pants. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But yeah, I'm a,
1: I should take more video. A lot of them are cell phone videos, just because I'm usually taking stills with my camera. But this year, I should really break down and take some video with the 4K and stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'm in the corner of that. Like I said, I love your your photos, and don't get me wrong, I I spend probably more time than I better admit on this podcast uh, looking at at your pictures. But uh, if, man, if you had videos on top of that, gosh, I'd be I'd be lost. So. <laughs> Oh shoot! Well, Courtney, I appreciate you're not you...
1: the only one that asked that. <laughs> oh, good,
0: good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad there's other people that, that feel the same way I do. Like I said, if you if you made a YouTube video, oh my goodness gracious, I'd be I'd be lost. So.
1: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh, I will. I'll, I'll make one this year, and we'll post it up.
0: Nice, nice. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on and and sharing some some tips, sharing some information about wildlife photography. Like I said, there's there's a lot of people that are. I mean, all of us hunters love it. Uh, we absolutely love seeing the pictures that you take, and and enjoy every minute of it. And there's so many questions that come around it. You know, of what equipment to use? What uh, you know? What tips and tricks do you recommend? If I'm just getting into it, what should I do? And and so I really appreciate the information that you you shared with us on this podcast. I will definitely put links below. To the, both those websites that we talked about, um, so that everybody yeah. can hop on there and, and look at the, the different products on there, um, and then um, yeah, just just appreciate you taking the time to to share any of the, all this information uh, with us. Before we go though, um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you, if you'd share like your Instagram handle, Facebook page, so that people can reach out and get a hold of you.
1: Yeah, so my Instagram is Courtney Nally Photography. There's no you in the Courtney. <laughs> That's where everybody makes it, like gets it messed up. <laughs> and my Facebook is just Courtney and Allie. You can reach out to me on both. Uh, Instagram, I'm usually a little bit more responsive. I spend a little bit more time on there. Uh, but even if you see me out in the field, feel free to come up. Ask what I use. Ask me any question. I tell everybody ask. It's better to ask than trial and error.
2: Yep.
1: We've already done that. <laughs> We've gone through it. So we can try and give you the best knowledge from past experience. So. I mean, and I'm just not just me. You could reach out to any of the photographers. Most of them will let you know what they're using and how to use it or give you some tips and tricks that they use for different kinds of uh, wildlife. I mean, if you're a birder, reach out to birding forums and stuff like that. But, yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, just Instagram, Facebook, direct message me, personal message me. Or even in the field, like I said, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't bite.
0: Courtney's awesome. He, he is there's the reason that he's on this podcast tonight because he's he is very open and um will answer any questions that you have i mean we, we've worked with courtney for a long time and both you know with e-hunter and then also with the the winter range foundation and so uh, he's a, a wealth of information and yeah he's a good guy don't don't be too too afraid to to ask questions and you may regret that Courtney because now you might have people blowing up your, your dms but
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you see me cancel it then you know what happened yep exactly I'm just kidding we'll, we'll blame me Hunter <laughs> for that <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: shoot well cool man well I'll let you back to your to your family and, and everything that's going on there back at home but again I appreciate you uh you jumping on recording this with me
1: yeah anytime I appreciate you reaching out and get me on the podcast that was awesome let's, I appreciate uh, it
0: let's do this again soon okay
1: definitely let's do it after the season yeah they'll we'll have some new big deer
0: let's do it for sure let's let's just plan it sounds good to me cool all right man well thank you appreciate you we'll, we'll talk to you soon
1: all right i appreciate it we'll all talk right. to you here later see ya all right
0: bye, bye.